Hello there and welcome to the Whole Healed Holy Podcast, a place for conversations of the heart, for exploring healing, divinity, and all things sacred. I'm your host, Patricia Russo. I'm a mystic, muse, and spiritual teacher, guiding women into their hearts with a journey of softening. I'm a published poet, a lover of hearts, and a forever student. Welcome, love, to a sacred pause and hopefully a few tingles, and to a reminder that we are all whole, healed, and holy. I'm so happy you are here. Let's slip into today's episode. I am thrilled to share this conversation with a sister that I fell madly in love with instantly. We share a love and devotion to love and serving Mm -hmm. hearts with wild, wild abandon. All Us, Alice Frank Patry is a spiritual guide, a speaker, and a coach specializing in relationship and awakening. A poet and activist named one of the top 100 creatives um, creating Change by Origin magazine. Her poetry is lauded by Eckhart Tolle, Jason Mraz, Daniel Ladinsky, and others. She is an ordained rabbi in the mystical tradition. She has been speaking the speaking coach to leaders of countries and corporations, Fortune 500 executives, nonprofit organizations and their teams worldwide. And she's been the power coach alongside T. Harv Ecker. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. I always start with a very brainy biography that our listeners can find easily on their own. And then I love sharing my gift of how I see you Mm -hmm. before we begin. I see you as love, pure love. You are generous with your energy, your wisdom, your heart, and everything that you share. And there's a natural, honest, and easy quality to it. It pulls me in. It welcomes me home. You are comfortable in your body, in this human of you with your emotions and showing them. And you are comfortable with the wisdom and knowing that you possess in a way that you share it so naturally and so fully. And I see the divine in you, this part of you that wants every human who encounters you to know that there is a part of them, too, that is love, that is spirit. And this is the invitation of you, Paula, of all that I witness in you and all that you're creating and sharing in this world. You are magnificent, sister. And I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for saying yes to me in this moment of sharing hearts and story and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Such a deep honor. So beautiful. I just look at you and all I see is the word soften because you share that word Mm. so often. I love that often is in soften. Didn't notice Mm. that before. (laughs) And that I think that softening is such a huge portal for everything you just said. Like, that you know the game mercy that kids sometimes play where it's like I'm gonna hurt you as badly as I possibly can and all I have to do is say mercy and the person stops right they stop hurting me and I feel like we just have to say that word like oh mercy and then softness is there we just need that word soften it's just like oh wait soften soften the thing that is hurting me soften you know hafiz the sufi poet says like drop the knife drop the knife it's like if my mind is hurting me if it's inflicting any pain upon me then it's just like oh soften and then I'm here and then I'm loved because that's actually what we are. It's not something we have to manufacture. It's something that's wanting to emerge through your eyes and through your mouth and through your hands and your heart. And I think we think we have to like do that. I think a lot of religion has shown us that or has told us that like you have to be this certain way and here is how. And it's like, no, it's something you literally are. How amazing, you know? Yeah, I love that. Oh, you just went straight to one of the things on a very long list of things that I love about you, your way with words. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you see, and actually your name, it's Alice, but your name is all us. And the way that you play with words, it's probably, I'm a poet too. And so it's one of my favorite things about you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that you just did that with the word soften. Mm -hmm. And it's 
funny because we think that this permission to soften has to come from, it it is so easy. It is just like we can offer ourselves mercy in an instant. Mm. And that's really powerful, really powerful. When there was the idea of feminine and masculine, and we can talk about that or not, but I like replacing the words feminine and masculine with sort of like the feminine as yielding or surrendering, right? Or softening. Mm. And I feel that we all kind of look for the feminine outside of us because we live in such a masculine society. I think like I work with a lot of men in relationship coaching and coaching and guiding. I work with men and it's like they're looking for that feminine. They're looking for the softening on the outside. But it's the exact same thing, even whatever your body we're in, we outsource the feminine because we're all in sort of like the masculine brain, right? I just love that we all have to cultivate it all the time. It's not something, oh, well, I'm a woman. So therefore, I'm just always so soft. It's like, oh, no, I have to remember. I have to stroke my arm and like empower my parasympathetic nervous system to soften. Mm. We have to keep just loving ourselves so much, no matter who we are, into that softening. So true. Yeah, so true. Well, okay, you went there with the masculine and feminine Let's dive right into, it's a simple question, but it's not a simple question. Maybe it is a simple question for you, but what is love? If love is the word that drives your, if love is such a big word for you because you're living it, you're expressing it, you are it, it's your work. I'd love to deepen in with learning about what love is for you through your (laughs) eyes. If we can just start there and see what comes forward. Yeah, I literally feel it is what we are, the stuff of what we are. So if there is, here's the world, and it's like a resource like water, right? It's a resource like grain. And we look around the world and it looks like grain is scarce because there are people who are starving in the world. But if you know how much grain there is, then actually there can be enough for everybody. Like it's more than enough. It can double double the world's population. So I think the same exact thing with love is that not only is it an abundant resource, but it's an infinite resource because we all, it's flowing through us and as us. So it's just this distribution problem. And our conditioning is the kind of choking of that resource. So that's why I've just been obsessed with how we hold relationship, how we hold love, what we're told love is, and who we're allowed to give it to, right? And because it's just distribution, it's just wants to feed the world. I know that as sort of my body is like this little blonde American girl, right? So when I was younger, I remember kind of learning who and how I'm supposed to distribute my kindness. And in order to not be a tease, in order because you're supposed to only be kind of kind to someone you're flirting with, somebody you maybe want to kiss, or else there's something wrong with it. You're leading them on. And that never made any sense to me whatsoever. I'll go back to actually kindergarten where there was this boy, he's like a little bit chubby, you know, just much bigger than all the other kids. He didn't speak the language very well. Like he's always had snot coming out of his nose, just always. I mean, literally, like this is who he was. And I remember his name was Ali. And I had a piece of construction paper and I was writing my name, Alice, A-L-I-C-E, I was writing big bubble letters and got A, L, I and realized that I was spatially incorrect and I wasn't going to be able to fit the CE on the paper. And so I wrote the word from on the left side. So it'd say, I mean, two, two. So it'd say to Ali. And on the bottom, I wrote from and just wrote CE at the end because I love that it was like to Ali from Alice. And I gave it to him 
And I just thought it was the best thing ever. Like I felt so happy to be giving it to him. And everybody in the class gathered around and they just started howling, saying, oh my gosh, Alice likes Ali. And I just was like, you idiots, who are you? Why in the world? Because I'm being kind and loving to this person who everybody's so mean to. Why in the world would that mean that I love him? They're saying K-I-S-S-I-N-G, you know, like Alice Mm -hmm. and Ali in a tree. Like it was, why in the world would that be the only kind of love? And that has lived in me, you know, Mm -hmm. since then and always. And I just never understood what people were doing with this like tiny idea of what something that really, I mean, the way that I say it now is attention and affection can't equal attraction. That is where the starvation comes in. Because if I'm only, and this is a literal thing, because I lived in New York City, and I was very lonely, very, very, very lonely. So I lived in New York City, and I would walk down the street. And so you asked what love is to me, my normal flow of love. If I look at the world, and I think, where is love? It's this, Mm -hmm. as I said, water just coming through us, right? This energy, this presence that we literally are just coming through us towards absolutely every person. And so if I'm walking down the street, I would notice, wait, what is happening? Why isn't everybody doing that? Why aren't we just present with each other? And I know exactly what it was for me is that my conditioning was if I look at you, it's like, hey, dude, she wants to have sex with you. Like she's looking at you. Mm -hmm. That is what that means. We've made it synonymous in our culture that if she's looking at you, there's Mm -hmm. something sexual. And so we preserve it. We cut it off for Mm -hmm. this one tiny idea that I'm flirting with you or maybe maybe something is here. And so Mm -hmm. isolation, so separation. And so what happens also, as you know so well, is what happens when we're in this sort of dualistic mind and we're like, do I like you or I don't like you? If I'm walking down the street, are you sexy or not sexy? Are you into me or not into me? You can picture yourself going down the street inside our thoughts. And where are we when we're inside our thoughts? Anywhere but here. We are not present, right? Mm -hmm. So this is how we've conditioned ourselves out of just being normal, just being natural, Mm -hmm. just walking and ha, hi, hi, look, we happen to be on the same sidewalk. This is so weird. Like, really, what are the chances? Mm -hmm. We are in this huge world with all these people. And it's just you and me. In some way, I think that everyone we encounter in our life is a soulmate of some sort. Like there's some possibility of something to do there. So I also love thinking of soulmates, not as the one, but like more like soul trees. There are so many souls that we just have different, different things to do with them, different possibilities. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And the way that you describe it, even just the way that you just described being on the street with, it's like, this is your existence of being the love that you are. You just see through this lens is an absolute. It just is. It is in every fiber of your being. How does, if it does, the spiritual aspect come into this? Because we're really what I feel like is what you just presenced was really about this human experience of the emotions and the conditioning in this human now place. Mm -hmm. Does this spirituality come into this in any sense in terms of what this love is that we are? Like, where is it born from? I expect that most of you that are listening are here um, with in our community, and maybe you have a sense of this love that you are. But how do we help people who don't have no connection to this, just have mm-hmm. not even really sure what we're talking about here? When when you say it just is, or I am this, are so disconnected to this feeling of love. I mean, it's. I want to also bring it down to like a really in the simplest sense of like, what does it feel like to be love in our bodies? And what does it feel like to be the love that we are? And I would just really love to just selfishly like hear how that comes through for you. 
Mm, I love that question. I want to start with the first thing you asked, and this is not going to be simple because it's like a tiny bit of religion, but I think it's so beautiful. So the Kabbalistic tradition is like the Jewish mystical tradition. And the same sort of creation story-ish thing is really shows up in so many mystical traditions because the mystical tradition of each religion is all that we are one. So of course, all of them are very similar. And so this creation story where first of all, it's like the beginning in the beginning. And I just want a presence for everybody listening that the beginning is this moment and it's at the root of your own heart right now. That there are teeming possibilities that might come out as you in this moment. And this is the beginning, constant creation, right? So in the beginning is this creation story and you can picture it as like, There's just oneness in the beginning, only oneness. So that means non-duality. That means like no black and white, just gray. So if you picture like, you can even close your eyes if you want to, if you're not driving like a swirling ball of gray, right? It's just uh, undifferentiated oneness. But in that oneness is the desire to give of itself because it's everything. It's like, uh, and it has nowhere to give to because it's everything. It's one. So I love this idea that that's the impetus of all creation. Like the reason why multiplicity sprang into being was because there's like a desire to give of yourself and be seen, known and heard. Like itself, the oneness Mm -hmm. has this desire in it. And then that is the root of absolutely everything in creation, including every single person. Every single person has a root that all I want is to give of myself and to be known, seen, and heard, to be received. So, of course, that's it while I'm walking down the street. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have this that is I in me that wants to be seen, you know, and oh, my gosh, the natural flow, we could call it the Tao, whatever we call it. It's like everybody giving of themselves, being present and being seen like, oh my God, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you with love. And I really love and appreciate the idea that where that flow is interrupted, like where we are not being seen, where our voices are being stifled, where people don't have enough money and therefore they can't give love to their children, wherever the flow of here, the simple giving of love and being received is cut off, that's where things that look unnatural, like Mm -hmm. depression, like violence, like war, all these things where we're like, where's that from? That doesn't seem like natural. It's like, that's correct. It's actually an interruption in the natural flow of giving of love Mm -hmm. and being received. And so it's corrupted. So, which I think is really exciting because then we know the antidote we know, mm-hmm. oh, people there need to be seen. They need to be listened to. That is why they're creating this war. So obviously, mm-hmm. it's just so obvious. If everybody wanted peace, it would be done. Because we know, we know what's going on. So that is the sort of spiritual component, I would say, to that to that description. It's just like that It's literally what we are, like the root of everything in creation. Even our thoughts just want to be seen and known. Even our emotions just want to be seen and known. And luckily, we can also be the seer of our own emotion. It's not like, oh, help, like someone else help see my emotion, which is nice. Even that, it's like, oh, I can see that I'm sad. I can hold that. But everything, everything just wants that. So I love that so much. and. The feeling. Do you want to say anything about the feeling of being loved? Shall I? Yeah, I mean, well, I just love that. I mean, during the pandemic, one of my little personal projects was that I took a Kabbalah, a series of Kabbalah classes. I I don't know if I shared that with you in our first conversation. Mm -hmm. I just had felt drawn to that, and I'm a little bit of a self um, uh, I don't know, I don't like a little bit of a theologian. Yeah, I just love the more. I mean, I, I'm just in love with devotion and with, with the idea of devotion and with faith. Mm-hmm. And like, I love to witness people in their devotion, and mm-hmm. um, and that's because it's if you're witnessing like one expression, one of the many expressions of how love lives mm-hmm. in this human experience. 
is this devotion and like people who are in devotion it's such a beautiful pure witnessing of the love that we are as i can see in this human experience and so i'm just drawn to that so much and followed that curiosity and took about four or five kabbalah classes during the pandemic that was one of my little projects and so i just love that you reference the kabbalah the faith of kabbalah and this beginning this idea that we all come from this place i think that helps to anchor us those of us that are listening who maybe don't have an anchor of what does it mean when two people are talking about you are love. And I know most of the audience listening to a podcast like this will have a frame of reference and will be drawn to this conversation because they know that they're the love that they are. Mm -hmm. But I also always want to present that if this doesn't feel familiar for you, what does it mean? And for some of us, it means that we have a belief that this is a starting place for us, that this is the home base for us, that this is where we come from, and mm. that, it, it, that we exist in a place where there is, where it just is. And this is our natural state. This is our pure essence. This is a place when we remember to go there, it feels like the place that we've come from. Yes. And um, I feel like that's sort of what I feel like you just described. And I and that's my belief too. And so if this is resonating for you, that if you're listening and this is resonating, that's beautiful. And if not, I would love to hear. I always love to hear different beliefs and different definitions of what love means to you. I just love the idea that like a star isn't a, you know, it's not like a container full of light. It's so much light that's so condensed that it kind of needed a container. It kind of like created itself out of the concentration of light. And I want to share kind of a personal thing, but you made me think of it and I feel a little tearful about it almost. It's like what I had, well, yeah. So where this all came from is that I had an experience of oneness that was very spontaneous when I was 20 years old. I was not at all somebody who believed in God or anything like that. I thought it was kind of embarrassing when people brought up like, oh, I just want to thank God. It was like unsophisticated and weird and uncomfortable, just not very scientific. And all of a sudden, I just had this experience in my room, New York City, ridiculous, no drugs, nothing. I don't know what to say about it. But but after that, in the months after that, I would walk down the street in New York City. And it was just like that star thing where it's like this is there's a concentration of light so much that it needed a vessel. That's how it felt about humans and God. Suddenly this word that was everything that was everything that was filling my mouth that was filling my eyes that was like in my everywhere. And I felt literally like doing a breaststroke through the air in New York City because everything felt so palpable, pure, present, palpable consciousness is what it is to me. And so it's everywhere. And yet I'd be walking down the street. And when I would feel a person, like I'm looking a little down at the sidewalk and I feel, oh, another person is coming towards me. And it was like, oh my God, I'm going to be able to look it in the eye again. I'm going to see God again, you know, and it was so moving. And I would just like breathe and look up and look them in the eye. And it was like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you know? And so I just feel that when I say it's what we are, Sometimes, like, obviously, we're not in that ecstatic space. We're not in that place where it's like, obviously, everywhere. And just mm. to know, that's where a knowing comes in, where it's just, even though this person is so annoying to me right now, or this pe person mm -hmm. is distributing, like, absolute behavior that is not okay, I know, I know the core of this being is this love. I know that that's literally what they are. And they have gotten so corrupted. That same thing where we see the stream of nature coming through corrupted, like that has happened within this person. That's why it's so important that we are not our behavior. Actually, it doesn't mean we're not responsible for it, but we are not our thoughts. We are not our emotions. We are not our circumstances, we are not our behavior. 
And what is so beautiful about that is that these are actually, I have four eyes that I just came up with recently. The first, it's like a way to sort of just remember all of this. The first one is invite, just invite whatever is happening for you right now, any thoughts, any emotions, whatever is really here. It's what I want to know, right? I'm inviting it to the surface. It's like, I am premenstrual right now, right? That I invited to this conversation. It's just like, yes, this is what is happening. This is what is happening. So as soon as we invite it all with like these open arms, then it becomes illuminated. Then there is identify. So identify, hey, what is it? Who is it? Like, so I can say hello, like, oh, hi, hi, premenstruation, hi, sadness, hi, like, oh, closed heart, like, oh, I, I feel my heart is a little right now, whatever it is, or hi, annoyance, while I'm talking to this person, like, mm-hmm, annoyance. <laughs> and then it's like, include is the next thing. So after I've said hi to everybody, then it's like, Ah, so I'm going to include the fact that I feel angry. I'm going to include the fact that I feel scared. All of the things that come up and that I've identified or didn't identify. And it's like, I include you and I am not you. Thank goodness I am not you. And that's when the infinite comes in. That's when something bigger than all those things that include all of those things gets to show through your eyes, gets to show through your life, gets to like start having sway in your life. Like it mm. starts being able to dance you. We are not dancing. If we surrender, we are being danced. If we invite mm. all of ourselves, because what we resist persists, right? Like what we're pushing away, then my energy is all caught up in it. But if I'm like, oh, I invite the fact that I am sad right now, then I'm just dancing with it. And it gets to be, you know, part of the dance. So I really love the phrase, I am the sky, or you are the sky that doesn't get wet when it's raining. This Mm -hmm. infinite part of you that can include anything, it can take it. And so if I know, thank goodness, I'm not my fear. Thank goodness, I am not this podcast, right? Thank goodness I am not whatever I say right now, whatever this person thinks of me, let alone like, I'm not my own thoughts, let alone what somebody else (laughs) thinks of me. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm the sky that doesn't get wet when it's raining. I'm the thing that includes all those things, but I'm not all of those things. And as soon as I can do that with myself, then I can really see it in other people. I'm like, ah, thank goodness they're not their behavior. And I can know, I can know compassion truly. I'll say one other thing about that is that there's a terrorist organization called INCEL. And probably a lot of people know that that stands for involuntary celibates. And it's a, this organization and they, create a lot of havoc on the earth and hurt a lot of people and hate a lot of women and all of these things. And they're so angry because I'll call it skin starved. They are skin starved. They Mm -hmm. want to be touched. They want to be seen. And they are so angry that here's violence for us. And I feel that so strongly. And I'm actually very touched by the fact that they've named themselves with such accuracy, where it's like, this is why I'm mad, because Mm. that is it. It's the sight. And it's why we should all care, even if we're very greedy, even if I'm totally self-obsessed and I only care about my own children. It's like, guess what? My own children could be hurt by someone because not everyone in the world is getting love. So you should care. So it's that that we need is this normal, normal flow of people having affection, having love, understanding, like we have to disentangle, disentangle love and sexuality. Love is something so much bigger. Sex is an amazing part of love. Amazing. And it's a tiny part of love. Tiny. Mm-hmm. 
And I love thinking of that in terms of nudity. Who have we ever been naked with is mostly people we might have sex with. So we think of it as very sexual. It's a crazy, crazy experience to just walk out into the world with trees all around and just like naked bodies that you would never have sex with. It's a very disillusioning thing. It's like, oh, we're literally like the trees. Like they have all sorts of knobs and shapes and branches sticking out. And we're like that. That's actually normal. It's normal. So much of what we think is normal is not and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first piece of it that's coming through for me and it's so beautiful. Thank you is this idea of radical acceptance for all of it. Mm. And that's the going back home, like, right? That's where you take all the conditioning and all the programming and all the violence and all that love that the world wants us to think <laughs> love is or isn't. Yeah. Um, that's the coming home when we just, when we start to sort of disarm it by coming into radical acceptance for all of it, then it takes us into this, the fifth eye was, what was the fifth eye? There was only coming. four. Or fourth eye, the fourth eye maybe is infinite, you. infinite, infinite. Yeah. So it's bringing you back home as you come through this process where you, that it feels like really acceptance for all of it and not in a real beautiful grace for yourself and, um, and coming yes. back to a remembering. Yes. Um, that feels really beautiful. I also love Alice so much, this idea that, I mean, we have a similar belief in the, the start of this being of love that we are. But I really love so much this idea that the love is so big, it wants to be seen and it wants to be felt and it wants to be heard. It's like this, it can't be contained and it has to have an expression. It has to find a way to express itself. And this is how you, this is your belief around what it is we're doing here. Mm. And for me, it's like a similar belief where we are this love, we start as this love and we want to experience some denser things. We want to learn some lessons mm. or we want to have teachers or we want to kind of work things out in this human experience mm. as the love that we are. And for me, it's a constant, this journey is a constant journey of remembering that we are the love that we are. Mm. And so I feel like these we can thread these beliefs together because it is a lot about and this beautiful story of you when you were five with this love letter to Ali, it's like there's when we come into this world as children, we are probably in the closest expression of this love that we are, right? Because we don't have all this conditioning yeah. that's weighing us down. We don't we have a you know very limited experience in this world. And um to watch children in their honest and innocent expression of love, it's like one of my favorite things. Mm. And then as we move through the world, we have like these organizations and programming and all the, the world wants us to tell, the ego wants us to believe that it is this and it isn't this, or if we do this or we do that, it's not, and it gets a little bit kind of a little bit murky. I want to shift gears just a little bit and not so much, but uh, just to kind of deepen it a little bit with this word that you created to mm. express a love that you felt like I think there wasn't a word for. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but I would love for you to help us understand this idea of uni amory because this is um really did I pronounce it correctly this is yeah. the word that you've created can you tell us what it is and help us understand like what is this yeah. mission that you're on to help us understand this new idea of love what you just said before about how you know what we've been saying is that love is something that wants to express itself through everywhere right and because it's such a powerful force it's like why I think why a lot of relationships, which are like containers that we make for love, like all of our marriages and all of the little relationships we make, we're like, okay, here, this is like a cistern of love mm -hmm. and they explode. They explode like divorce mm -hmm. and all, you know, there's so many breakups because this love is something it's like very adamant about being coming out towards the world. And if it's in this relationship that is too possessive, that is too codependent, that is not letting you share, that is not letting you embody love on the planet, which is absolutely everybody's purpose. We're all searching for our purpose. It's all the same. It's to be embodiments of love upon the planet. It's to be unconditional presence on the planet. That's what we are. 
And so we all get to do that differently. But if our relationships don't support our doing that, our becoming that, then they will explode. You know, if we're like, oh, it's okay, let's just do it out of fear. Let's hold on to each other like crazy till our fingers are broken, which is Tennessee Williams, <laughs> then, you know, our fingers are going to break. And so, yeah, there's like an explosion. I picture it like a manhole and like water, like bursting out. Like this is a resource that is to be shared. We are literally the body of God, if I can go there. Like, It wants to be shared. It wants to be given to itself, right? It's not like, oh yeah, I'm good over here, right? So it's not just for the privileged. It's not just for some people. It's not just for the sexy people. It's ridiculous. It's for the world. Mm -hmm. So uni Amory comes from a lot of things for me because obviously we've heard of polyamory, which is many loves. It literally means many loves. And so originally what this came from is because when I first fell in love, I created open relationship without knowing anything about open relationship. I had zero role models. I didn't read any books. It wasn't what was happening in the world because I'm a nice, you know, a ripe age now. And (laughs) there wasn't anything. There was just nothing. But this feeling that I had that here's this boy who I absolutely fell in love with when I was 20 years old, right before my that experience happened in my room of oneness. I absolutely fell in love with him. And it was such a weird feeling here. I'm putting a relationship together myself for the first time. And it was like, wait, I'm supposed to tell him he's not allowed to be like not allowed to do anything like not allowed to be with another person it doesn't even matter it wasn't not allowed to be with another person just the idea that I would tell him he's allowed or not allowed to do anything was the weirdest thing ever and I was like he he'll end up resenting me like it doesn't keep it clear something is off about that because actually I'm here to support what he wants and I'm really curious in each moment about what he wants and how I can help him navigate it. That's what my love said. And so I said, okay, we're not going to say we're not allowed to do anything. It was had nothing to do with the idea that I would want to be with other people, that we would want to be sexual with anyone else. It was just, you are you and I am me. And I'm here to help you move through the world from your navigation system as well as I can. And let's do that you know, and it was so beautiful. So it was open relationship, open relationship. But when I heard the word polyamory for the first time, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that's not (laughs) what we're doing. Because that's focusing on the manyness of love. And by then, we had practiced that there was possibility that he'd be with somebody else. There was intrigue. There were moments of like, oh, this person is interesting to me. I'm going to go out to dinner with them or whatever, things like that. And for me, the only thing that made like all that was for was for me to remember that I am one with that woman. I am one with the woman they're going out to dinner Mm -hmm. with. Because mm-hmm. she is me. Yep. And that was the weight training. That was the gym that that whole experiment was helpful for was to keep opening my heart to like, oh, look how interesting that I think she's separate from me and I can and that their love is separate from our love. So it just was like this an exercise of spaciousness of remembering and remembering and remembering. Mm-hmm. We keep saying this word remember and I want to just notice that it's literally remember, like what's a member, like a penis is a member, right? You might have heard, or like the parts of our body. So remembering is literally re-embodying something. Mm. So it's like, oh, I have to remember that I am her, remember our oneness. And it was really helpful for that because over and over my mind, had limitation. Like, no, like it's, there's not enough. Oh, this one, it's not going to be okay. And then it was like, oh, look how I think that there's a limitation. And every single time it was like, oh, yep, that was an illusion. And we, our love is bigger. 
so much bigger than I could have imagined a minute ago. And I and my heart is bigger than anything I could have imagined. This woman is so much more beautiful than anything I could imagine, right? Like humanity is way cooler than we think it is because of our conditioning. So uniamory instead of polyamory was what made sense to me. The fact that it's one love was the point of everything. So then it went beyond that experiment of being with other people. It was just like, we are literally one. We are literally one love. A lot of people, when I say, what do you think uniamory means? They're like, love of the universe. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yes. So really just one love that we are all literally one love. I love this, Alice. It's like this high, it was essentially a really high practice, a high spiritual practice that container, to use your word of relationship, taught you, brought you back home, brought you to this place. And I think as people listen to what you just shared, it's going to be so profound for them to like see through your lens, how this looks in a practical sense of really connecting with this idea that we are all one in relationship, because I think and sometimes in relationship, how love shows up, it is restrictive or it is constricting or it is programmed or it is conditional or it is transactional. It is all these things that in your mind, as you describe it, and in my way of wanting to be, intending to be, it is not. And so I love that you went through this process and had this experience where you really looked at that, like really looked at it and sat within yourself and came back into yourself and and could bring yourself back into the love that you are each time you felt a, a little confrontation or a little mirror that was potentially hard to see. And I think we can see that in relationship, if we are love, when there isn't, I mean, love is limitless. Love is in all bodies. And this visual that I have of you walking down the street after this experience of oneness um, when in your 20s, and just the way in which you saw with this lens and the way in which you intend to look into the eyes of the love that we all are is so powerful. That like really touched me. The time of this interview is flying. I definitely would love, we've gotten to this place now where I feel like I can really ask you perhaps maybe how we are in this human experience and we are living in a place where not everyone knows that they are this love that they are. And We do, you and I, and many of us listening have experiences where we might know this and we might have a high spiritual practice or a practice of of staying in the love that we are and knowing the love that we are. But the truth of the matter is we're in this human experience. And sometimes for me, that feels really limiting because of the interactions that we have with people who don't know this or the confrontations that we have or the situations with violence and all that's happening in the world, especially right now. It's just, it's incredibly difficult sometimes to stay in the love that you are, to know that you are this love and to walk on earth as the love that we are. Does this resonate for you? And how do you navigate this if it does resonate for you that you have to be this human and this love at the same time? Mm, So much. Okay, well, back to the relationships with this question too, is that it can sound very easy what I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, like, you, she's one with me, we know everything is one. And so that makes it very easy. I want to say that there's something called trauma, there's trauma, there are so many wounds that we walk around with. And that it's a very, very beautiful thing to create our containers in the most loving possible way for each of the people in it. And so that might very well look like, listen, I've been through so much. What if we hold each other knowing there's nobody else that's going to come in here for at least four years? Let's hold each other this way. Let's be in this experiment. We're coming up with the experiment. It's our agreement. It's a moving one, right? And so I just really want to say that because we can say it like it's easy. But even even when we're doing that practice, that doesn't mean it's easy. And yes, to like holding the humanness of what we've been through and finding our line. Like, where's our edge of, I want to be brave and I want to expand And that's not going to happen unless first I really love and honor exactly where I am. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's constantly that dance. 
And I love what you're asking about the humanness and the divine at the same time. I feel I love thinking not to get heady about it, but I love all these ideas mm-hmm. is that that light is a particle and a wave at the same time. Most things are either a particle, they are particular, or Mm -hmm. they are a wave, right? Like sound is a wave. My desk is made of particles. And light is something completely else. Light is sometimes acts as a particle and sometimes it acts like a wave. And that when I found out that, it gave me great directive, actually, because I'm actually extremely normal now. Thank God. Thank God. Because my throughout my 20s, I was on this mystical journey. It was so, so beautiful. And I like refer back to it and read what I wrote then and things like that. But it's hard to be so, so expanded. And so I feel really grateful for my ego. I feel very grateful to be very particular particle. I'm in my my particularity. It's how I'm on this podcast with you as Alice. You found me on Instagram. (laughs) If I'm just living in our oneness, like I literally don't have an ego enough to say I went through this experience. So when I heard, like I would wake up in those times and feel extremely different on the spectrum of particle on one end and wave on the other. So particle is like, I have edges, I am Alice, and wave is I am one with everything. I would feel, I would go slide on that spectrum a lot from one end to the other. And it was a lot. You know, I would like jokingly feel like I'm either Alice or I'm Wonderland. Am I the Wonderland or am I little Alice running around in it? But we are the place. We are the place where play happens. So that's how is really recognizing, first of all, we are light. We're literally made of the same stuff of it. And we can learn from the fact that it's a particle and a wave at the same time. Also, I think like the whole key to being human is something we keep returning to in this conversation, is that inclusion, that inclusion of absolutely every particle of what's happening to you right now. So I think the most important possible practice of being human on this planet right now is being with what's happening exactly as it's happening. Like close your eyes, tune in, like, yes, this is what is happening. These are the sensations in my body. This is what somebody just said to me. This is where I'm going next. This is how I feel. These are my thoughts. These are my emotions. And literally wrapping my arms around my whole body and holding myself, sending love to my whole self and absolutely everything that's happening. So it's literally like kissing everything just as it is like, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. When we do that, and when we say yes to everything that's happening, something very different happens. And it's hard to explain, but it's absolutely every mystical poet ever, you know, it's Byron Katie, like be with what is. It's everything that everyone says and it's such an elusive thing because it's like why should I do that why would I do that what do you mean and it's because being with something exactly as it is being with my mind exactly as it is and giving it love softens it and changes it I get to see past my mind then I get to see into this moment then as something my heart takes over because my mind is soft. My body has new spontaneous movements, right? So so remembering it, we're coming back to what what you are. Yeah, beautiful. It's really beautiful. Can we spend a little bit of time talking about Vipassana? So you just said this was a beautiful segue, I think, like about the mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if if that's what you want to share around um, this idea of the power of silence and Vipassana, Mm -hmm. but you're about to go into a a week. Uh, Is it just a week of Vipassana that you're It's actually, no, it's just three days. 
I really like okay. gentleness. So it's three days. And I think almost like any amount of silence you go into, it doesn't matter because it's eternal. So you might as well just like take a little bite so your mind doesn't freak out on the way in. But yeah, I think that loving the mind is the biggest practice because most of us have never even been introduced to our minds. It's like, where's the mind? What are you talking about? That's the voice in my head. That's my voice. That's me. And Mm -hmm. it's a big deal to just like, oh, there's a voice in my head. There's talking. It has many voices. Many of us are guided into uh, meditation and the instruction is clear your mind. (laughs) Right. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, how am I supposed to do that? And if the focus is clearing the mind, then we're not listening to the mind. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the difference. I feel like that's the difference Mm -hmm. in Vipassana. It's about really being a witness Mm -hmm. um, in meditation to the mind and not clearing the mind, but sitting with it. Is that how you see it? Well, the way that I teach it isn't specifically Vipassana. And the way that it is, is yes, it's coming into relationship with it. And yeah, just the fact like, oh my gosh, there's a, you know, there are thoughts and I can watch them like, okay. And I don't have to follow them either. I can watch them and I can just, I think finding out what the identity of the mind, that the fact that it is on a mission to make you safe that's its job is like the ego mind is like oh my god where's the safety in this how is this going to be okay so if somebody gives me a compliment i'm like it's like oh that's great oh my god what if i'm not like that tomorrow tomorrow i you know i'm going to be tired they're going to know that i'm not like that anymore it's crazy. The mind is crazy. And I think there's a lot of liberation in really getting to know your mind and that it's not supposed to not be crazy. That's literally what minds do. And so that you're just like, oh, hi, mind. It's my mind. Oh my God. Like not a big deal. Like in your relationships, if there's space for like, do you know what my mind is saying right now? It says you don't love me because you Mm. looked at that other person. Can you believe that? And then we can both be Mm. like, ha ha ha. Minds are crazy. Not like, (laughs) oh my. Otherwise, if I don't see that and if I don't recognize it's my mind, it's like, oh my God, he just looked at another person. And I'm going to act that out somehow without even knowing about it. So as we bring consciousness to it, we are not it. We are literally like in control. We're like, ha, 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 little mind. You're so scared Mm -hmm. of what everyone's going to think of you. I think I love the word what if, like what if, what if, because if your mind is saying what if, what if this happens? What if I come to be on this podcast with Patricia and like, I don't know how to talk. Like I forget how to speak Uh English, you know, like the mind loves doing like, it's just freaking out all the time. It's a blank screen. The future is a blank screen and it is a movie projector and it projects Mm. the worst possible scenarios on everything. You've got to know that that's what's going on so that you don't take it seriously, right? So it can be like anything that says, what if? I know it's my mind. What if, what if? So I'm like, mm-hmm. hi, hi, mind. I love sending love to my mind. So it's not the one that Eckhart Tolle liked, which Patricia asked me to share, but there is a poem about the mind and for the mind that I could share. Should I do that one? And then we could do the other one. It's short anyway. So tell the mind to lie down for God's sake so it can experience something that it could never conceive of. It won't do it, of course. Being a virgin, it's uneasy. So bring it love and the fluffiest pillow. Soothe its every (gasps) butt with the softest shh. Kiss so gently. 
puckering the heart and letting it loose all over within till mind reclines laughing saying okay okay anything you want just stop tickling me so much how else to treat such a brilliant and tortured lover child friend mm. oh beautiful yeah it's about acceptance it's radical acceptance I yeah. think the Kabbalah faith calls the mind the opponent <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah I like the way That's... in which you're calling it a friend a lover a protector yeah it's franticness is just a little like out of place it's like you're not actually the best for the job just you know <laughs> think about it like I remember being like oh my god I'm not ready for this math test maybe we'll have a car accident and I'll break my leg you know that's <laughs> the mind the mind is like I have a right. great idea I'll die on the way to school it's like um right. maybe don't let it drive like don't let it drive your life Mm. because that's right. the kind of safety that it hungers for right right what i would offer to this conversation or to this practice is who is it what part of it of you is bringing the mind back into the love that you are it's the heart and so mm. for me it's this beautiful connection of the mind and the heart and instead of being opponents it's yes. really more like partners or it's a, just a complete radical acceptance for all that is for me when i go to my mind it's i say thank you for the opportunity to remember thank yeah. you for the opportunity for the invitation in this moment to remember to come back to my heart mm. and so it's that's what it is it's about first but this practice of silence that you're leading is really about i feel like it's an invitation to give people time to come into connection with conversation with relationship with their mind absolutely it feels like to, yeah beautiful yeah and it's honestly beautiful. the last time i was in silence was very different than usual and i just journaled crazy and worked with my relationships and i think that that's also so beautiful just like whatever needs to be seen whether it's in our minds it just comes forth and i think that's wonderful. And knowing that every, every single, like more my coaching self is obsessed with just every single thing that comes up has positive intent. So a lot of it's like, yeah, like get in a car accident on the way. It's like, thank you so much for trying to protect me. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. There's nothing in you. There's nothing in anyone who no, no thought and no feeling that is not like there to try to help. And I think then as the lover, like we get to just be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming and are holding it. It's just, we're not going to let it take over. We're not going to let it automatically be the boss, but you know, we're going to get to use its energy towards what is good. Mm, that's so beautiful. Should we go to the three questions to wrap sure. things up? Yeah, I want to end every episode by asking these three questions. And um, the first one is, which word do you relate to the most, whole, healed, or holy, and why? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a full moon right now. And so the word whole is really that for me. And I think it's because, you know, some days I really feel like a kind of stiffness in my heart. And when I say heart, it's not like the beating heart in my chest. It's like right between my ribs, my heart center mm -hmm. and something. It's a very literal thing, like to massage that part of my rib, like in between my ribs and open my heart is a very visceral and real thing. It's not like, oh, a Hallmark card, like an open heart. It's mm -hmm. nice. It's like, no, our hearts want to be open. And so mm -hmm. sometimes I just have sort of a kind of more closed heart and I picture it like a moon and I picture it like the sliver of a moon that day, like, oh, but knowing that even if I'm seeing a sliver of the moon in the sky, the moon is a big old sphere, right? It's always a sphere. 
it's we're just <laughs> seeing half a moon. We're just seeing it that way. But it's always the whole thing. And so it's really nice for me to always feel that in my heart. Like I can feel like, oh, I only have this tiny bit that I can feel. But ha, ah, like I know it's my whole heart. And that feels so good even right now as I say it. So that I love whole, that you're always whole. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. A book that you love or a book that you've gifted the most. Mm. Well, I admit that I wrote a poetry book mm -hmm. and it didn't have my name on it. Nobody knew it was mine. And I would like put it on <laughs> window shield, like a car windows and things like that all around Los Angeles when I lived there. I would just like gift it as all the time. So I think that's definitely the number one. But Hafiz is my favorite poet. And the gift by Hafiz is something that I've just like drunk in and become mm -hmm. drunk upon over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And um, the last question, a quote or a mantra that you love or that guides mm -hmm. you in your work or in your life? Mm -hmm. It's a funny one that mm -hmm. I feel like sharing right now is because um, it doesn't make sense, but it's truly my mantra is, can you imagine if it mattered? Can you imagine if it mattered? And I, I say that to my mind as love to just hold it like the baby, rock it back and forth. Can you imagine if it mattered? Because even if it's the biggest deal in the world, <laughs> people's lives are at stake, whatever it is, it doesn't matter in the way that the mind says it does. And it's freaking out about it is not going to make anything better. So I rock my mind back and forth. Can you imagine if it mattered? And that really softens it by sending that love to it. And it opens my heart and I become the change I want to see. I become someone who can be calm and speak in that moment to the most important thing that if I thought it was important could really paralyze me. So I just croon, croon that mantra to my mind in order to be present and try, try, try to, you know, be in the world the way I want to be. Beautiful. How can people find you and what do you have happening? Like um, just a moment to share your work and to tell people um, what your current offerings are, ways in which they can connect with you more deeply if it's something that they just heard touched them? Well, it's my passion right now to be life coaching and relationship coaching. Well, it's expected and unexpected, but it's just my joy right now. I'm like very intoxicated by my practice. So that's what I would love to do the most with anybody. I have this retreat center that I've created with my partner five miles north of the border of Canada, New York. It's called Grateful Already. Mm -hmm. And so we have retreats here. We're holding silent retreat, as we were saying, next week. And I'm so excited. So yeah, at Uni Amory on Instagram is a way to get a hold of me or uniamory.com. And so it's U-N-I. And then A-M-O-R-Y. Yeah, it's really easy to sign up for a free session with me. And it's a whole session. It's not a sales session of any kind. It's just because I literally am obsessed to, <laughs> about, about that. sharing this work. So, yeah, that's it. That. Yeah, I love that. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, sister. I feel your heart, and I'm. I can what talk to you forever. Yeah. I know this hour went so quickly, and I think the love that you are comes through so beautifully, and so in such a huge and honest and easy way. Let it. The love that we are. I have to say, thank you. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's it. It's like it's a remembering. And when we see each other, we're seeing each other through the lens of, of who we are and the way that you see the world. And it's like really beautiful. And the way in which you're guiding us all back home is really beautiful. Thank you. Thank for you. Even so just there. now, because I get to be seeing your eyes right now, 
just the mantra in my mind, like you are me, like literally I'm intoxicated. Like, oh yeah. Uh, it's so, so sweet to, to just constantly come back to that in like rooms of people we don't know. And I just, yes, yes, yes. So thank you so much. Thanks thank for, for fully seeing me. I always feel very seen by you. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me that we have shared this moment of deep conversation. If you feel inspired or touched by something in this episode, please leave a comment and or a review. For more in all the ways, please find me at Whole Healed Holy on Instagram and at www.patricia-russo.com on the web. Stay close, please, and know that you are whole, you are healed, and you are holy. I love you. Until next time.